The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. when I was worshiping, but it's not an interruption, it's the kind of interruption you want, you know, anytime, God, go ahead. No, you know, he began to speak to me, and I'm just not ready to tell you what he said yet, so, so just talk to the Lord, I'll be right there, Wait, hang on. Bibles, please turn to the book of Exodus. Glory. Glory to God. Something I said in the morning service. Let me, let me, some of you are taken back because I took a moment to underline and look at my Bible. And you're wondering, like, gosh, isn't the pastor ready? No. Whoa. <laughs> because there's times when we study. You can be seated for a moment. Uh, there's times when, you know, you study and you put something together and then, you know, God speaks to me and, you know, I prepare. And, and you know, this morning was a message like that to study and putting things together. And um, I have something that the Lord laid in my heart uh, for tonight. And then when I was preaching this morning, something just quickened me. And you got to be, be ready for the Lord to just interrupt you. You know, that I, I, I long for that to happen. Really, I want Him to come to interrupt us because sometimes we can think we can have a good idea or even a God idea, but He just wants to see if we're pliable and sensitive and blessed are the flexible for they should not be broken. Amen. And so this morning as I was preaching, I was talking about in the series, Possessing the Land, how the children of Israel were sent out under the generation of Moses, 12 spies, and how they had a distortion. Does anybody remember that? They, their view of who God was and their view of who they were was distorted. And because of that distortion, they came back and saw themselves as grasshoppers, and could not go in to possess the land of the promise which God told them. 
And when I said that this morning three times, <laughs> I just felt this unction of the Spirit. And went back home and the angel of the Lord came by and clubbed me. I passed out. I mean, like, just... And I woke up and just began to, you know, pray about what the Lord wanted me to do, take a different direction. And I, I want to preach to you about that, about, about the knowledge of God, about the knowledge of the Holy One. You see, because if, you, if your knowledge is warped or bent, or distorted that will greatly affect you. And you will end up, as it were, like a, a boat with a compass course and just a few degrees off, maybe, or maybe more than just a few degrees off. I was talking to a builder recently. He was telling me that he had a, a concrete pour, and, and John. John, you could attest to this, and so could anybody else that builds. They poured this concrete, and it began to cure, and it rained shortly thereafter, and they found puddles, a few puddles on the foundation. Now, what does that tell you? It tells you that it's, it's not graded to the drain, or, you know, it's not, a, it's not 100% level. Am I right, John? And Am I right, building guys? Now, what, that ha what happens if it's, if it's half a bubble off at the bottom, what happens when you get to the top? John, am I, am I right? You know, you end up having to, to adjust things, and you get to the top, and maybe you're adjusting by, I don't know, you're adjusting by a quarter inch or something. In other words, you have to change things because the foundation is not, it's not level. It's not plumb. It's not right. It's not true. It's distorted. In the book of Exodus, chapter 32, and this is the scripture God began to speak to me about as I was worshiping and wanted to take a look at it. If you'd look at chapter 20 first, and I've preached on this before, so it's not a, a brand new revelation to me, but it, 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 is, it is good and might be new for you, and I believe it'll help us. While you're turning there, Exodus 20, let me read to you a quote from A.W. Tozer, one of, my, one of my heroes and a great author and a great man of God. He's gone on to be with the Lord. He says this. When it comes into our minds, when we think about what we think about God, when we think about God is the most important thing to us, the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion. That man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. The point is this. That you will not Move forward beyond your revelation of who God is. And if your revelation of who God is distorted, then you will be a bubble off. If your revelation, your understanding of who God is, is wrong, then you will, 
you will be distorted. If your revelation of God is limited, then you'll only move to that limitation of who he is. Now, he's infinite. Come on, somebody say he's infinite. He in, dwells in inapproachable light. In, in Exodus 20, and I, and I want you to bear with me because I don't have notes for you, thank God, because I, I hardly have notes for myself. So, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 18, it says, Now all the people witnessed the thunderings and lightnings and flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Wow, can you imagine that? Can you imagine what a worship service that is? There's trumpets and smoke and mountains, flashing, lightning. Whoa. Come on, somebody say, wow. wow. In verse 19, then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear. But let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear. For God has come to test you. And that his fear may be before you. So that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near. Listen, the invitation, the invitation came to the people and they rejected it because they didn't want to give up on their sin. That is the context of what's had taken place in that scripture. So God says, yeah, you, you're right. They don't want to give, they don't want to give up on their sin. So yeah, you, it's a good idea that people have because that's right. I'll have to kill them. And so he says, come on up, Moses. And then Moses goes. But the invitation was really to everybody. And what happens is Moses is up there. And now turn to, turn to Exodus 32 and verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down the mountain, they gathered together to Aaron and said, come let us make for us gods. Now it says small g right there. It says small g. All right. Meaning, as it's been taught, and I've heard it, heard it preached and read in commentaries, that they're talking not about God Almighty, but they're talking about gods as in false gods. But really, the word that's used there could be viewed as God or false gods. Not God Almighty. It's, it's not the tetragrammatron, which I'll talk about in a moment. But it could be God or false gods. Let's keep going. Let's make for us gods of the gold before us. For as for this Moses, this man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And Aaron said, break off the earrings. And, you know, you know the story. And they gather the gold, verse 3. Verse 4, and he received the gold from their hand. And verse 5. And so Aaron saw it. So he makes this, he make, he makes this, this golden calf. How many of you heard the story of the golden calf? Now watch this. Verse 5, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Look at your Bible. I'm trying to teach you a little bit tonight. Look at your Bible. It ought to be capital L-O-R-D. Now, when you read that in the Hebrew, not that I'm any Hebrew, I'm not a Hebrew scholar or anything. I know a little bit of Greek. He owns a coffee shop, a little bit of Hebrew. Amen. <laughs> it's a joke. Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Now, 
When you read that in Hebrew, you come to the YHWH, Tetragrammatron, you read it Adonai. You, you don't know how to read. If you try to pronounce that, there's just no way to pronounce YHWH. You know why? It's, it's the name of God, and it was never supposed to, they didn't even write it down. That's how holy it was. And so when you read that, you would say Adonai if you were reading out loud in Hebrew. When it's translated into your Bible, which you're holding, hopefully not the New World Translation, somebody say amen, or some other whacked out version, hopefully you're holding a good proper translation of the Word of God. And it ought to be capitalized because there is nothing that can substitute for what it is saying there. It is only saying one thing, very plain, very simple. Aaron is saying, tomorrow is the feast of almighty God. There is, it, it is not a little G, it's a, it's, it's a big G. There's only one. There's no way to translate that other than to say, Aaron is saying, tomorrow we're going to have a feast unto almighty God. So what's the point? Do you really think, I mean, just ask yourself this question. Do you really think that in their mind, they, were, they thought a little golden calf brought them out of Egypt. I mean, come on, just a minute. I know, you know, I'm not the brightest tool in the shed, sharpest tool in the shed. But I mean, if I think about, you know, being a part of their company and God delivers me and my family. I mean, you, you saw the miracles and you hear this Moses guy talk about God. And, you know, am I actually going to think that it's a, a, a little golden calf? You see, what was happening was they, they really wanted to have church. But because they refused to go up the mountain, because their knowledge of who God was was limited because of their sin and because of the distortions, turn to Romans. We've done this exercise before. Some of you know where I'm going. Romans chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, Romans. You thought I was going to trick you. I'm getting there. Romans 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since creation of the world, the invisible attributes, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, and became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed animals, golden calves. What are you saying, Pastor Daniel? I'm saying that as a man thinks in his heart, he is. Psalm, 30, Psalm 23, verse 7. 
whatever your perception you have about God and your mind is as great a thought as that is, it better be aligned with scriptural truth and it better be, it better be true, it better be plumb, not a bubble off. And so oftentimes we come to church, we've been a part of church for years, and we just take things for granted like just because that's what the preacher said. I, I hope that you're not in this place, you know, living like that. You ought to study the word yourself. I was concerned, again, on Facebook, with some post that a brother put up. I call him a brother, he's a believer. But the post was so distorted in his understanding of Scripture, but he saw it as truth, and he'd been watching some YouTube nonsense. You know, just because somebody can shout and spit or seemingly have an anointing doesn't mean that they're speaking and preaching truth. You, you, you ought to know the truth. you got to know the truth. You have to know for yourself, for your family. Our conception of God, our perception of God, and our response to that has eternal consequences. Let that sink in. Who you see God is, whether, it's, whether, whether your perception, your conception, I should say, your conception of God has eternal consequences. There's some people that don't even believe there's a Savior. How many know they're, they're wrong? They're, they're, they're clearly wrong. But if they don't believe there's a Savior, how are you going to get saved? So if their conception of God is that He's just some omnipotent, you know, clockmaker out there who just wound up creation like the deist thinks and just, just set it going and then let it go and He sort of watches afar off, then how would that person ever actually give their heart to Jesus because they, they think that God's this impersonal God. He's not some force. He's not, he's not a clockmaker that's just out there that's looking upon creation going, hmm, I wonder what they're going to do next. No, he's, he's God Almighty that, that's intimately involved in the, in the affairs of man and has been from the garden and will be all the way to the book of Revelation. He's God Almighty. But if you don't understand that, you don't know that he will come and intervene in your life. You don't know or that you can pray that God would bring streams in the desert and pools in the wilderness. You won't know that you can pray and have authority over demon power and darkness. You'll be subject to the lie that you maybe you swallowed. Maybe it came from a long line of lies that were passed down to your family. Or maybe you too have been hoodwinked by some YouTube preacher. Come on, smile at me. 1 Timothy 1.17, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who is, who alone is wise, be honor, glory forever and ever. 1 Timothy 6.15, listen to this scripture. He who is the blessed and the only pontate, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has Immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. God's transcendence, God's self-existence, his eternality is beyond our human mind and beyond our human understanding. The knowledge of God is a pursuit that you need to be on the rest of your earthbound life. It's something that you never fully attain. I can sit next to Pastor Alex or stand next to him. Come here. Now, I, I know Pastor Alex. I've known him since he was a, a young, well, he's still a young man. I've known him since maybe he was a boy. 
Okay, I, I know him. I know his mom. I knew his dad who's in heaven. I know his family. I know even, I know even about your grandparents a little bit. But I don't really, really know you. Only God really. I, can, I know his name. We're very close friends. We're accountable to each other. He's a precious, precious brother. Love you. But my knowledge of who he is is very limited. Thanks. The same is true with God, where you can read the word and you can grow in the things of God, but our knowledge of him, you have to continue to seek after him. Why? Because you don't want to be a bubble off. You want to have a, 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 a true foundation and you want to go to the heights that he'll bring you to. And as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. One of the obstacles people have to being baptized in the spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues is that they've been told all their life, perhaps from a conservative relative, maybe that that speaking in tongues is not of God, that speaking in tongues is of the devil. So in their mind, in their thinking, in their understanding, their concept of God, he would never release that kind of a gift because they've settled it in their heart or they have a belief or maybe a doubt that it's of the devil. Now, I've ministered for a long time and I can't ever recall somebody, you know, the devil. I mean, I can't ever recall coming up on somebody who's, you know, had a fifth of Jack Daniel speaking in tongues. Just, just haven't seen that. I haven't seen somebody that's just living for the devil, you know, praying in tongues. Although there are devil tongues, I will say that for sure. But there is a heavenly language that God will give you to pray even the mysteries of God through you. God is infinitely beyond all things in both scope and depth. The quality of his being is above and beyond anything you or I can imagine. He's a mighty, mighty, almighty God. He's the creator. We still have light because he said, let there be, let there be light. We still have it because he said it. Revelation chapter 4 and he stands apart from all creation. He's not a part of creation. He's outside of creation. Revelation 4, verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes all around and within. They do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. His holiness, that the holiness of God. I mean, they're constantly, here's how it is. I think they're constantly freaked out, all these eyes. They just constantly see another dimension of his glory. They, they, they look and like, oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God. Oh, holy, holy. I mean, everywhere they look for eternity, they're blown away by who God is. Listen, when you get to eternity, it's not going to be some boring thing where you're playing a little harp in a cute little diaper going around singing, singing songs. It's never going to get boring. It's never going to be ho-hum where you go, well, that's just another worship service at the throne. No, no. I mean, you'll just be wasted again and again, and maybe, maybe you'll ever get up. And, you know, we're living in another age. Isn't that right? You live for another age. We're going to be living in another age. Oh. Psalm 113. 
verse 4. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is like the Lord? Nobody, nobody is like him. Who dwells on high, verse 6, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. Job, one, Job, Job 111. It's not that many chapters in Job. Job 11. Can you search out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heaven. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, who can know? Their measure is longer than the earth. And broader than the sea. Mm, God. I want to encourage you to grow in the knowledge of God. You must grow in the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God will keep you from backsliding. Will move you on into the things that are beyond anything you or I have ever experienced. Don't be reduced to a religious person. Hello. Hello. Don't be reduced to somebody who just goes to church. Hello. Oh, I'm all for going to church. I'd be going, I was going to church, not missing a service before I became a pastor, long before, before I even knew I was going to be a pastor. I just I missed the biggest party in town. That's sort of how God wired me up. Why wouldn't I want to go? <laughs> just love being in his presence, love being with his people, love hearing the word. Love worshiping. Where are you in your pursuit of the knowledge of God? I picked up a book by A.W. Tozer. I, the thing drips with, with revelation and, and, and oil from heaven. If you have not read the book, not that it, like you can read it. I mean, you can read it, but it's more of a meditational, devotional book. Pursuit. The knowledge of God. In fact, read everything from A.W. Tozer. I was, in fact, I don't even know that's the name of the book. Where's, where's, my, where's all my, my saints been in church a long time? Is that the name of the book? Jesus, help me. The Pursuit of God. I think that's it. Thank you. Pursuit of God. And I, I, read, through, I read through one page. My wife and I had went to CrossFit, and, and we had a little bit of time devotion together before we went and got beat up. And, and I... I read through one page, and I just, I, we sat there after we read through, and I just thought, holy cow. You know, we, we, we settle for such shallow things. Don't settle for shallow. As deep calls unto deep, go deep in God. Teach your kids the deep things of the word. That's what we should be like. He was an illustration. That's it. Running to the front. That's what we should be like. We should be just like that. He didn't care. He's not intimidated by the bald-headed guy with the white shoes. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's like, yeah. 
Some of you are just freaked out by God. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you're harboring things in your life. Maybe you've got sin in your life, so you're not willing to willing to come all the way. Listen, if, if you have a distortion about God, if you have things in your, in your heart, in your mind, in your understanding, your concept of God that are wrong, if, if I do, here's my prayer. Lord, shock me now. Lord, wake me up now. I'd rather know now than later. And you're standing before him, and he says, son, what happened? I mean, what excuse could you give him? What excuse could you give God? He's given you his word. We have more revelation available to the church now, listen, listen to me, than has ever been available in the entire history of the church. Did you hear what I just said? Come on, can you imagine growing up in the dark, dark ages? Martin Luther? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? And he writes his thesis and he slams it on the door of the church at Nuremberg. Can you imagine having the revelation all of a sudden that it's, that it's grace, that he'll justify you, that he'll, he'll forgive you based on Romans? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having blown a whole bunch of money on indulgences so that you, so for you and your family, you know, you, you, you wouldn't spend too much time in purgatory and all, all of a sudden the light goes on. Ding! All I need to do is repent. I wasted a lot of money. Can you imagine? What other revelation is out there that we have? Come on. What other, what other depths of God? I'm just trying to, I'm trying to push you. I'm trying to stir you just a little bit. Pursue him. Pursue God. Know the word. Learn the word. Meditate on the word. Renew your mind. You don't want to be one that's, let's tomorrow have a feast unto the Lord, like Aaron said, and what they really were doing is idol worship. Oh, but they thought they were having church. You know, I'm convinced that there's even churches that are having idol worship, but they actually think they're having church. Did you hear that? I never want to get stuck in our liturgy of Pentecostal liturgy that we have. I never, I never want to get stuck. I fear maybe we are. One word from God changes, will change you, will change your life forever. One touch from God, everything's different. Not man, although he uses man. He uses us as male men. I've recently reflected on uh, prison ministry, having just been through the training. I thought back years ago, it was probably six or so years ago, we did a series of meetings that they said, uh, Pastor Bracken, would you come and just have a service? I said, well, I don't really want to come and have a service, but we'll have, can we have three in a row? And they said, uh, yeah, and we worked on it. We couldn't do three, but we did two in a row. We brought Heidi. Heidi was our worship leader back at, then. And, um, you know, Heidi's a woman. Uh, you don't 
generally bring women into a men's prison. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's just, they get stumbled. But she was, had short hair and she dressed down and she grew up as a tomboy, so she carried herself tomboyish in that night. And she got on that piano and Minister Tim was there. We began to worship. And that little chapel, some of you have been out there, that little chapel filled with people. And then it was packed the first night. We preached the power of God hit that place. And it sort of set us up for the following night, as I recall. God moved, people got saved, people got touched. We came back the second night. When we came back the second night, it was standing room only and word had spread. That's why I wanted to do three, but we could only do two. I figured once we do three, we'll get the whole prison saved. The second night, we, we preached and... All I can say is I felt like it was, I felt like Peter when he preached to the Gentiles, the power of the Holy Ghost fell. I didn't have too much to do with it. And in the end, it was Holy Ghost pandemonium. They, you know why? They are so hungry. They are so desperate because they don't have the smartphones that you're playing on and being distracted by right now. They don't have those. Hello? They don't have anybody to text because they don't have that. They don't have any dr drugs. Well, you know, they can get them, I think. But I mean, basically, they're hemmed in. They're incarcerated. They're in jail. And they are so desperate and so hungry, and something happened because of their desperation and their hunger. God came and visited. And I was preaching, and it's nearly, you know, as I recall, I'm preaching some point, and I, you know, just turned it loose. I mean, it's just this power anointing thing, and I hit the pulpit, and it exploded into splinters everywhere, shattered. And when that happened, it was like God hit the place. And, and native guys began to do some native dance and screech like eagles. Has anybody ever heard a native man or woman screech like an eagle? I, I guess it's something that I, I'd never heard it before that, but I knew what it was when I heard it. I mean, just dancing around Polynesian guys dancing and I mean, just an outbreak of God, people weeping, people crying, people calling on the Lord. I mean, it was amazing. And we stood back there and I wept. And as we moved forward, I remember hearing the amen of those 150 men or whatever it was. Did, did anybody ever stand in front of a, a large speaker? And somebody turns up the bass, you can feel it in your chest. When they amened, you could feel it on the platform. It was a roar that just shocked us. As a, I've never felt that before. I, I, I mean, our church is, was, you know, is and was, you know, pretty on fire. We looked like a bunch of backslidden people compared to that because they had nothing to go to no one to go home to no smartphone they couldn't go ease their comforts of their pain emotionally in a chocolate cake or a cup of coffee they were desperate for God they were hungry for God I want to stir you tonight get hungry pursue him he'll never let you down pursue him don't be some religious person. Pursue God. He'll change you. And take a look at your conceptions, your perceptions of who He is. Take a look. Line up, they line up with Scripture. Stand upon your feet, won't you?
worship team come to the platform, please. I didn't preach long to you. Just tried to stir you and challenge you. A moment longer. Come on, a moment longer. And we're going to have our formal businessmen's meeting. Everybody's welcome to stay. But come on, just, just go after him tonight. Come on, worship team, quickly, please.
that you would shock us now if there are things in our thinking things in our understanding that are distorted Lord that we would give ourselves to the study of the word of God come on commit yourself to eat the scroll commit yourself to eat the word commit yourself to know the word commit yourself to eat the scroll right now right before God you make a commitment Lord I commit myself to know you to know your word Pray. Forgive us for where we've been slack. Holy Spirit.
doors are open tonight. I'm going to lead you as in a closing moment. Thank you, Georgie. Because I don't want to trick you into doing something that you don't want to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Making a commitment to get into this Bible, to get into the Word. You're going to make a commitment before God. So if you don't want to make the commitment, do not repeat but I'm telling you to pray right now. Say, gracious Heavenly Father, I commit to study your word because I want to know you. I commit to eat the scroll. Speak to me. Reveal misunderstanding and any distortion that might be in my life. That I would tear down every stronghold and every high and lofty thought that's raised up against the knowledge of God. For I do not want to make idols. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I commit myself to this. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Take someone by the hand tonight. down on the person next to you. Come on, just pray. Come on, pray. Pray. Come on, lift your voice. Release your power. Lord, release your glory upon each and every one in this house. Lord, those in Delta Junction, come on, Delta, lift your hands. Holy Spirit, touch right now. All those online, those in Delta, 
those people right now, your beautiful people who you died on a cross for. Lord, thank you that Delta Junction is hearing the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that religiosity will not keep your people in bondage anymore. Release your power like an atom bomb, God, in Delta. Release your glory, God, here in our lives and in our homes. That you would decimate idols. Let your glory be manifested, Lord, as we pursue you, pursuing the knowledge of the Holy God. An inapproachable light, yet you've made a way for us by becoming a sacrifice, making us even the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen and put your hands together for God. And Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them, God. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless your formal members. Meeting will start in five minutes. Have some fellowship. We love you. Praise the Lord. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.